everybody's excited. A lot of stuff is happening. And the last thing is what people are thinking is how to correctly put it into the CRM, right? Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within Sauce together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-grown companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, Haris, warm welcome. Hello, thank you, Max. Thanks for the invite here. Nice. So let's get started. Which company are you at and what is your role? So yeah, I am Harris. I'm co-founder of Revenue Wizards, which is a B2B WearOps consultancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long have you done that? Relatively fresh, relatively. We started in January this year. So yeah, we are nearing our first year jubileum. Wow, nice. And uh, how many people are you in the team right now? I, we are two people. Hmm? Cool. Just uh, to, to set the scene a bit for the people uh, listening, can you tell me a bit about RevOps? What is it and like what type of uh, service do you provide for the companies? All right. So revenue operation, I think we can go later in a more detailed definition, but revenue hmm? operations, it's really that you look holistically on all of your go-to-market functions. Be it sales, marketing, customer success, but that can also be legal finance or product if they are touching you go to market execution, which in many mm-hmm. companies they do. And uh, we are supporting our clients with, on the strategic aspect of revenue operations, but also very operational, what processes, how to think holistically of your customer journey, how does it impact your whole company. And then the other pillars also like technology work, right? How to implement work with your technology to make mm. the strategy work and data and analytical work. Mm. And uh, so uh, for the people listening, you are a consultancy company focusing on revenue operations for yeah. B2B SaaS, like growing companies, right? Exactly. B2B SaaS primary, but the RevOps concepts can also work for B2C. We also work with B2C companies. And you mm. also see even outside of SciTech, that RevOps gets adopted. But I would say 80% of everybody working RevOps is in the tech and especially in the SaaS space. Mm. And uh, like the the role RevOps, uh, I mean, uh, obviously there's some sort of size of the companies when that role is sort of assigned. What is your sweet spot and where do you see the most common pain in like when you need help with RevOps? Yeah, I think it really depends um, on what journey you so the whole principle of RevOps to really having a holistic view and revenue, right? Even small companies that have issues, hey, our marketing and sales is not working together, right? Almost every company has that. And it often has to do with the fact that everybody works in a silo and eventually you need to coordinate those. And there's a lot of opportunity there, right? Mm-hmm. So RevOps can make sense for even smaller companies. Most probably they don't need somebody full-time for that, right? So what they see off with the companies are like serial founders who have really experience in the tech space. 
like they can easily grow to 5 million ARR and above probably without their barrels because they understand the principles of it and would operate the company most probably in a similar way. Mm. But often also the operations who maybe don't have such a strong serial background and maybe even they are bootstrapped or don't have a VC, a strong VC in the background who might give you them also the similar guidance. Okay. I think there it makes sense also starting earlier with RevOps. And they don't need somebody full-time, so it can also be like RevOps as a service, so basically like a consulting service who works with them one, two hours in a week to really set the foundation that they're having, mm. the foundation of key processes, foundational CRM and tooling strategies. So basically to avoid costly errors in the future. Mm. So would you say that it's most common or more common from like VC-backed companies to have RevOps earlier compared to bootstrapped? Uh, uh... That's a tough question. I think I don't think so. I think it really depends on the founder mix, right? Okay. Mm. And if the founders of the bootstrap, if they had multiple companies before and now they are bootstrapping it, sure, they have mm. the skills, right? It's really about the conciliation of the team of the founders and the key leadership team when it can be beneficial, I think. And um, and eventually the complexities of the business will also outgrow that. And then probably more when you really have, for most companies, it will be after product market fit. Mm. You have a few million of error, you know what to do. You have a sales based team of a few people and sales is also not anymore founder led. And that's, that's a usually a good indication that you really need somebody full time. Mm. So would you say the sweet spot is maybe 5 million euros ARR, and then it's time to invest in a RevOps or like ish, where do you see the breaking point? Yeah, kind of like really also like a good determinator is like really having like this internal sales team and right. it's really about trying to repeat recurring success, right? That can be at the 5 million ARR mark that can sometimes also be before, right? And really depends on how much volume the client that the company is going to have. Are they mid-size? Are they high ticket size? Are they low ticket? How often the volume is that that's going to be an important indicator. Most some of our clients, they're really like some are founder led, right? So even below this mark. And again, for them, it's more like we don't need the full time RevOps yet. So we work with a service provider. And for other companies who are beyond this mark, like let's say service B companies, for them, it's more they do have an in house team. And then it's more like, oh, wow, we, have, we are lacking this skill and we need somebody to support us. Or, it worked so far, but we need to redesign this yeah. and we need help. Or we know what to do, but we don't have the manpower. We need somebody to execute on that. And that's but where you come in. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, like, why did you start uh, your company? What, what kind of problems did you see? And uh, like, why, why is there a demand for your service? Yeah, I think, um, so I was working before in revenue operations for different companies and different head of ops world. And my co-founder, for incidentally, we were friends also before, he had a different path. He went through VCs and finance side and ended up also in RevOps. Right. So we went and both working in RevOps for like different scale-ups. And then we said, okay, we can really have big impact if we basically join forces and start this agency and and one of the triggers as well was like we look we look what the US is doing, right? 
and the U.S. is usually a trendsetter, especially in the SaaS world. Yeah. And um, and we know Rarox is really big. It was LinkedIn's job number one of the year. It was the fastest draw oh, wow. for the fastest growing job in the U.S. revenue operations, mm. and it made it like on the in the news, right? So it's like really like kind of getting mainstream now. And we said, okay, we looked how many agencies are there in the U.S. and how many agencies are Europe. What is the demand? And we said, okay, this is a good opportunity to start an agency now. And we said, okay, we have the skills, we have the experiences. I think many companies can benefit with our joint skill set. Cool. And uh, for for the people listening, let's say that they are struggling with <laughs> RevOps, but they might not know it's actually RevOps they're struggling with. What kind of uh, implication or like when do you discover that, hmm, we should probably bring in the service or hire a RevOps. What, what kind of pains do the organization themselves or the departments experience? Yeah, I think there are different types of pains. Let's start really on a foundational level, right? You somehow sales were happening through the founders and they had success. They hired the sales team and they struggled replicating the success. Wait, mm. something is not working. Something is even with the sales management and everything, but what something is wrong. So, and then it's like, okay, identifying what might be wrong, right? It might be the alignment between sales and marketing that is not working. It might be that the ideal customer profile is not really met. Maybe you're not an understanding of the whole customer journey, right? So these are more on this go-to-market side. Other issues might be what we see a lot, sadly, is really poor data quality or data hygiene. So people would like, we want to use this AI tool. We want to use, uh, we want to have marketing attribution everywhere. We want to understand how we perform across the whole funeral. And then you come in and then like, it's not going to work. Like, because yeah. you see it, the data, you see it, the infrastructure and all this, it was like not designed that it can scale. And it's normal, right? So you start a company, everybody's excited. A lot of stuff is happening. And the last thing is what people are thinking is, how to correctly put it into the CRM, right? Yeah, this data, <laughs> just running. <laughs> exactly, but this data yeah. is going to be valuable, right? And if you want to have repetitive success, right, you need to think from on the end, okay, how can we leverage this data? How can we use it? And then like really the rebels mindset, and again, the mindset to really think from front to end, how are we mapping our sales and marketing and customer success processes from the front to end? Then we can understand like, like a very popular methodology is from winning by design, the bow tie model, right? So thinking, okay, if you're changing the MQLs, what is going to be the impact of the win rate, but also later the renewal rates and churn. So everything yeah. is kind of connected, right? And yeah. this view to make that work, first, you need to think really strategically and holistically. You need a team alignment and the processes need to align, but also the whole technology and tooling foundation need to set. So yeah, that's what we try to accomplish with our clients. Super easy, right? Super <laughs> easy, exactly. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, the RevOps and the, the different departments, uh, let's say you go into an organization and you start to, to try to help them. What is the okay. first thing that you look for or try to identify? Like, where do you start? Is it in sales or technical aspects or, or how do you do it? Well, first we hear them out, right? So first try to understand what are the problems. Yeah. And um, it's very unique for every company. I think it's something else. 
and uh, most of them are struggling with the tooling part and the technology part and so that's something we then often say hey, what is your documentation because as an external you clearly want to you need to understand it and most nobody has a documentation like that's kind yeah. of with the reality and but and everybody knows they need the documentation so that's an also the funny twist right and because you cannot scale if you don't have really defined and um processes and everything is documented and in the end everything is about these efficiencies right because you do this because to try to become more efficient especially now as we see money as tougher to get cash is expensive and uh, everybody wants to be more efficient but right? you do more with less people yeah. and that's why the problem itself is always a little bit different so we try to understand what are the short-term goals and how what we can then look into it but yeah so so the first thing you do is basically to just talk to the different the stakeholders from the different departments and try to map their like processes documentation all of that stuff exactly and then like really to identify okay where can we get short-term wins right yes. because many people ask for the return of investment of revenue operations well it really depends on the project what you want to support and you cannot say it as a it's not like a marketing function, like, okay, we measure them on the number of MQLs and, 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 and that's the success rate. For revenue operations, it's a little bit tricky because by definition, it's going to touch all of the different elements, <laughs> yeah. especially on a wider project. So yes, there can be a return on MQLs, can be something, hey, if you're working on that and better, how are they contributing into the revenue and what is the whole attribution? Yes, we can measure that and we can quantify but and then for that specific use case, that will be a really good KPI and a return investment. But I think yeah. it's very hard to say what is the overall return on investment or KPI, how to measure um, revenue operations. It will really depend on each organization. Mm. And I mean, uh, that you say that, that there's uh, you're touching all the different departments or not all, but like most of them, if we're going to be honest. How do you even measure it? What kind of KPIs are you looking for to evaluate if a project has been successful or not? Like, uh, what type of stuff do you measure? Yeah, well, when you look, uh, when you look at KPIs, like you can group them in like kind of three levels: really strategic KPIs, operational and tactical KPIs. Yeah. And the higher goal is always what every company really wants to do is they want to increase revenue, they want to reduce go-to-market expense or they want to increase profits if they're already profitable, right? So this is overreaching and any project needs to relate into one of these buckets else, else we're just doing a mental exercise, right? Else yeah. it's like pointless, right? So, and then it really depends on what is it, right? Even like, it might be like, we want to improve uh, the revenue of the revenues of for most people, okay? What, well, why? And then you can dig in, okay, our top level goal is to increase revenue. And then you might dig in and understand, oh, okay, how are leads flowing? How is the conversion rates at the different points from a lead to an opportunity, from an opportunity, the win rate, what can we improve? What can we work? What is not ideal? And then we can really defining, oh, okay, we need to improve the conversion, the win rate. All right, how do we do that? And then you analyze the different processes. And um, so, yeah, it really going to depend on what specifically yeah. we want to do. And it's going to be very different for every company at what stage they are as well. Mm. 
but could it be so so simple that you look at okay what is the let's say profitability growth and then like the go to market costs when we haven't started working with you guys and then after i don't know how long a project is for, for you for example if it's 3 months 6 months and then you just look at those high level kpis or dig deeper that's how you do it yeah that's a perfect way of doing it I think um, that's the ideal case, right? You compare it. But the thing is always with that is like, um, for me, how familiar you are like with research, but it's an environment that is really not controlled, right? If you like, it's like there's so many external factors that can implement factor in if you're like only looking on the high level KPIs, right? Yeah. Because some other step might happen that impacts revenue. Maybe there was a new regulation out there completely out of our control that mandates everybody needs to have this tool, right? So it's something like, it's sometimes there's so many things you cannot control. But so in that regard, it's like we're trying to really then dig down, like, okay, like we're going to help you to get more uh, MQLs. We're going to make increase in inbound uh in more inbound leads or like in outbound generated opportunities. Let's mm. try to improve this number. So it makes more sense to really then dig down a little bit more specific and then you can trace it better back to a specific project. Yeah, mm. yeah makes sense. How, how long is a project, would you say? How, how fast or slow can you do some sort of turnaround uh, have you seen? Um, I think it really depends on the project. Like some projects can go one, two months, right? And they can have massive results, like a recent data warehouse project where we really tried a company that had issues with renewals yeah. and, and they're managing them. They were a bigger company, they had recurring revenue, non-recurring revenue, and then um, it was very messy for them to manage them. And yeah. so, especially with, even with a CRM like Salesforce, it was just too, too complex. So we built the infrastructure around in a data warehouse and that saved them around 50 hours per month spent on renewals, which is a wow. lot. Yeah, right? yeah. And um, so the you, exactly. That's also like where you can measure easily the return on investment. And, but when other projects are like when we offer this RareOps as a service, right? So it's a continuous service. And at that time, we work continuously on different projects, right? So it's like... Um, and some project the error is measured on others, it's like some necessity. So that's like getting a little bit blurry because it's like a continuous engagement. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you were to give some advice for, you said the earlier scale-ups on like the 5 million euro mark, of course, sometimes lower, sometimes higher. But let's say you are uh, uh, at the moment founder-led startup. How can you pave the way to postpone the need for the like service RevOps to actually build a solid foundation to build upon long-term? What kind of actions should they take early on to mitigate that going forward? Yeah, I think like really focusing on alignment right, between the different teams because the biggest issue of most companies is sales, sales, marketing, marketing and customer success reality is many people don't care about it except yeah. <laughs> then at some point oh wow our clients are churning oh we need to invest in customer success and you're like mm. well obviously and um and really this alignment right and also if this product is well i think what's really recently in rise are like go to market meetings 
where basically the different leaders from the different go-to marketings come together, be the sales, marketing, product, and then talking about marketing campaigns, what are like working in sales, what is product. And then, and then you think, oh, wait, we can combine this with this. Ah, this is coming. Yeah, I heard customers, they uh, prospects, they're asking for that all of time. And just fostering this exchange mm. can like create so many great ideas. Because what happened else is like marketing does something and they deliver it to sales and then sales is like, but nobody wants it. And I heard this so many times, like you laughing, you've probably seen it also in the past. <laughs> yeah. like, and it's just like so common and it's so easily avoidable by just having like a common mindset. And it okay. also can be helped by common goals, right? Be that on marketing, like Right, key measures should not probably be MQLs or website visits. They are important, but okay, what is the revenue attribution that marketing campaigns can deliver? Right. Mm. So, on how much of it the sales deliver? How can we work together if we all have the common goal, uh, strategic KPIs, right, which centered around revenue? Then also it helps supporting uh, collaboration. So collaboration, mm. integration, and um, all of these teams to work together and that mindset from the start that will also help later to implement RevOps because the RevOps is then joining an organization that, oh, wow, everybody's aligned here. This is great. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then usually you end up fighting, not fighting, but you need to really have good stakeholder management skills in an organization that is not aligned on a com common go-to-market perspective. Mm. So, uh, like the how is uh, common goals or strategic KPIs, joint meetings, integrations, what else? Integrate, um, yeah, you, you summarize it very well. And, uh, well, how's like this, you can go into many technical details, like, mm. right? So, and depending how deep you want to go into the how, but alone this mindset is like, I think, really important because it's not the typical mindset where you're basically having the different divisions of working on different tasks. So that is a lot and it takes also a lot and it works easier for smaller companies that they're just starting off, right? Because then everything is relatively fresh. Processes are not as established. Now try to do the same with a company with 2000 employees. It will not as easily work. And so there are different deployment models for revenue operations, right? So, and this might be more, the ideal case is you have Verops as a strategic business partner, like as a partner, you know, like, mm. like in HR, you have the HR business partner who are mm. kind of independent. So that's also like, I think for Verops really the best case of doing it as an independent kind of support, working with the different business units together. Yeah. Awesome. Let's uh, park the discussion. I want to move into a segment called Quick Ones. I'm going right. to shoot some uh, quick questions and I want some quick answers. All right. All right. So, uh, favorite tool in your revenue tech stack? Salesforce. To work with or that you have it yourself at the moment? Um, to work with at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. that's the first. <laughs> but uh, and for you and and your team now that you're only two people, like what's the most important tool for you guys? ClickUp. Mm -hmm. And uh, since you have started your business quite recently, what would you say has been the best thing so far? 
Um, building a brand. Hmm? And what has been the worst thing? Or the most building difficult, a, maybe? Building a <laughs> <Yeah>. brand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And uh, one thing that you use uh, ChatGPT for? Pictures. Picture generation. Okay. Cover what pictures and stuff. Cover pictures for a blog or something like, right? That you don't have copyright issues, so it just generates your picture perfect. And uh, one thing that you could give for uh, younger people that's looking for uh, maybe career advice within SAS, what would that be? Um, focus on the communication skills, communication and stakeholder skills, technical skills you can always learn on the way. Hmm. And uh, if you were to give any advice to the people listening in terms of like RevOps uh, Especially, like, uh, what kind of advice would you give to uh, someone listening? Yeah, well, if you're serious about revenue operations, right, and really align the key stakeholders on it, because it will often fail if people are, don't have the same understanding. So set the foundation, get the same understanding, and then you can benefit from revenues. Mm. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, okay, so... On the topic of, of RevOps and the, like you mentioned data earlier. Yeah. Um, data quality and perhaps also automations, I believe are key factors to unlock the efficiency, right? Uh, how do you approach the task of maybe creating those automations in, or, in the organizations? Like how do you map that out and try to yeah help them become more efficient? Yeah, no, very good point. I think maybe one step back before creating optimization, like you kind of mentioned data quality, you really need to set up the data foundational principles that you have good quality, that you don't have duplicated data stored at different times that messes everything up, including your optimization, but also reporting. So, and really focusing on the data hygiene part. Mm. And that's the foundation of everything. All right. And, and, uh, and just the uh, first uh, question on that, how do you even <laughs> fix the data hygiene problem? Um, so it is a painful exercise. Mm-hmm. It takes <laughs> a lot of time. So it starts by very, a lot of manual cleanup work. There are tools that can help, right? And mm-hmm. really trying, deciding, okay, with what we need to create, how it should be like, mapping it out, and then doing the work. At the same time, there's also a lot of educational work happening, mm. like and making people understand that this is important. So, like, again, the soft skills, communication are really coming into place. On the technical side, you can build in then controls that the same mistake doesn't repeat again, slash validation rules that people don't like, but they do the job of yeah. validating proper data quality. And um, so, yeah, cleaning up, setting controls and controls that doesn't happen, setting also checkups, the tools that can help you to uh, monitor if anything, duplications are happening again. And they will happen, but if you just manage it properly, it's fine. Mm. And then the educational piece of that people are aware why this is important, that it also makes their work easier when they have right. data. Mm. What's in it for them, basically. Exactly. Always. Mm. Okay. So then we have the data quality solved. And then we move on to the automations. Like, how do you build the, the structure for that then? Well, we don't move yet to the automation. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, we have not the biggest fame of automating for the sake of optimization. 
next the next step is like okay what is the process so how does the process look like let's say it's about automating your logging your emails this is very easy this happens thousands of times per day yes we're going to log them automatically great but then you might want to have automatically create a new opportunity once a deal is close one wait mm -hmm. a second do we want to automate it then you check okay how often does this happen is it always the same process do we have deviation often from standard that we cannot automate it and um and then you make a decision do we really want to automate it or not and i think that's very important because often companies people like to let's automate everything and then everything's going to work but no it will yeah. often not because often you spend so much money on it so much time and especially for companies that might not even have product market but you know what's happening like every few months you change the strategy or something else pops up oh we need to pivot to that direction but every pivot breaks every optimization in the background because they usually hard code it. And yeah. then like there's a lot of time and energy wasted and money that it just doesn't make sense. And most of the time there's also not enough volume. So the timing when to automate say automate is very important. Yeah. And so really finding that out and then starting the optimization part. Makes a lot of sense. And I think uh... <laughs> If you're only if you're skipping one of these steps, you're basically fucked. Like uh, then you have to like take it a step back and like redo it because, as you said, it's a lot of things that can harm you if you just run too fast and try to push exactly. it forward. You can have luck. Sometimes it works out, but often it doesn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, talking about um, data and um, um, like the automations and stuff, would you say that this is going to be more difficult going forward? I would say, I don't think, I think there's so many startups and companies working on many difficult problems that can really help with data and data hygiene, right? All of this open AI and call, not just what we see, the chat GPT, but in the background, the technologies to summarize video calls, to summarize meeting notes, to summarize everything. You can connect yeah. it and let soon good enough really into the CRM that it does a lot of that stuff automatically, right? So there's a lot of opportunity and that will really help also with the data quality because that's usually what anybody who's customer facing and has to use the CRM doesn't like is always the data entry and people yeah. are like rushing but we need anything enter something very quickly and it's usually wrong you know not always but it can be mistakes that we are made like that and if technology can really help that and i'm very confident that it can because the improvements are really going into the right direction that's going to be a positive impact on uh, data quality makes sense and the data quality and maybe more relevant for the engineers, like shipping the product to the customer, you talk about technical debt. Would you, would you say that technical debt is also one thing that you stumble across more of an internal technical debt in terms of processes, data quality, and uh, like how common is that, that you just ignore the technical debt for a long time internally, and then, oops, now it's time to address it, we need RevOps. Yeah, I think that is real. And um, one point you didn't mention is technical tool debt, right? Mm -hmm. In the what, what is that? Can you elaborate? 
we are in the good old times of growth at all costs. People they did not only hire as many people as possible. They only also bought every tool as they could possibly buy, right? Yeah. And every team has its own authority to buy teams. So marketing could buy a team, sales could buy a team, customer success could buy a team. Some we've seen companies they had the three CRMs, and you're like, why do we have three CRMs? That makes zero sense. Not for your business side. Some cases it could make sense, or like two, three, four um, productivity tools, be that Asana, ClickUp, Notion, and everything. And like, why? So many companies bought a lot of these different technologies, and now, and often we hear actually we have three hundred tools in our revenue tech stack. We don't know who they, what they are, and it's like, okay, wow. Yeah. And we are talking of companies who make twenty, thirty million in revenue already. Right, yeah. so this is like okay, something went out of control there. So there's a lot of consolidation happening right now in the tech space, where people are really aware of this. Oh wait, we have too much, and so it's also you notice there's a lot of churn or people talking about churn at the moment, yeah. which is also a reason that people are noticing. Oh, right, we cannot afford anymore to really have this. So people are cleaning up the tech that we have at the moment, the last year at least. That's I think that's still going to continue in the next year. Hmm. And um, but also in the, on the deck depth side and data depth of sure of course that also exists right so people are creating something in the CRM they're building it out like ah oh, we have this new campaign let's keep track of that then five months later let's do this but it was a one time exercise but they built everything out in the CRM, which took some admins and the project team weeks to do. And then in the end, the end users, they were barely using it. They were using it a little bit. And, exactly. then, you look, and then you look, and then you have all of this custom object, custom data all over the CRM, and it just kills usability of the CRM, right? So the end right. user is like looking, what are all of these fields? And the more fields you see, the less likely you're inclined to fill in any field because you're yeah. just still overwhelmed. So that's a tech depth. And that's also something we come in and then, oh, right, okay, a lot to clean up here. So it is real also on the commercial side. Yeah. Hmm. I, mean, I guess that's a difficult balance, the required fields in the CRM because management wants it and uh, <laughs> maybe sales reps hate it because... It's too much admin. Uh, have you figured out maybe a good way of finding the perfect sweet spot of the number of, of course, it depends on the complexity and so on, but like, how do you solve that problem? Do you talk to the stakeholders and then that's that's the solution or how do you fix that? Yeah, I think it's really understanding what is necessary and what not, right? I think yeah. it's a very good starting point, starting with the stakeholders. And then um, CRMs can have flexibility that Salesforce, for example, has a lot of flexibility, what you make mandatory and at what yeah. time, right? So yeah. you can have in one object, you can have a lot of mandatory fields, but only from a certain point, right? So you have a new opportunity, or maybe only a few fields are mandatory. Great, easy. Then you progress naturally through the sales table. And then we need some additional people. Who are these additional stakeholders? What is the timeline, right? Maybe some yeah. people have hard-coded the sales methodology into that, right? And then you can, as you progress, you can, you just ask for one, two more fields, right? Yeah. And then it's like the burden of the reporting, it's like actually less because we have this information anyways and we need to enter it. 
and then it becomes easier for the sales rep. So I often try really to think, okay, what is the UX, not for in the SaaS product or whatever, but what is the UX for our internal people? Mm. And it can help, right? So if they if you reduce the click rate that every day they have to click 30 times less, multiply that by 20 salespeople, wow, you're saving a lot of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe just uh, switch roles for a day and see how many fields you have to click in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So sometimes like with leadership, they're sometimes too distance from the end user. But then if you're trying to use the metaphor, like imagine our clients would need to click through that. And then they're like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's still not big, right? And then it sometimes helps to communicate. Yeah. Uh, one last thing uh, before rounding uh, rounding off. One thing that you see in the future for RevOps, trends, uh, concerns, or like a positive mindset about uh, how it's going to go in the future? Yeah, I think there's going to be more RevOps in the future because yeah. people are seeing that the RevOps is working, that they're having many benefits with a RevOps strategy. So I think there's going to be more consolidation of sales authorization, sales ops, marketing ops, customer success or support ops into a revenue operations function. So I think that is a big trend in the future that we will see more and probably also dedicated tools and softwares to support that. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense since uh, companies want to become more efficient. And as you said, I think we're living in that time now, more tools available, uh, but you have to avoid, the, of course, internal tooling that otherwise uh, exactly. Exactly. If you're, you're stuck in the loop. <laughs> exactly. In the end, it helps really like you can accomplish less, more with less headcount. And mm. it's all about what efficiencies are in the end. And RevOps is a good candidate for that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I'm going to round off with the three of my main uh, key takeaways. Uh, one thing is definitely to be about the data quality to have control of that early on to maybe not avoid, but at least postpone the need for a RevOps uh, resource, either internal or external. Um, another one is to uh, focus on team alignment and the how is uh, common goals, joint meetings and integrations. Yeah. And then before automating stuff, <laughs> for the love of God, look at the data quality, do the manual cleanup, what's in it for them and try to map the process and like talk to the people that's going to be affected to know what you need to automate. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Aris, I want to ask if you have any uh, advice for people to invite uh, to my podcast. People within SaaS, a couple of names. Do you have any suggestions? Um, let me think of... Um... One of my key weaknesses are names. Um, <laughs> okay. You're right or US also fine? I mean, hit it. I can go broad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one be one in RevOps. Let me double check. Yeah, Eddie Reynolds. Eddie Reynolds would be yeah. one person uh, to great to talk to. Yeah. And um, maybe... Wait, I have one person you could really look at to talk about... Yeah. in terms of pricing because Ooh. every company has pricing issue yeah, and yeah. it's Lauren David Ostein Lauren David Ostein exactly he's from Brussels and um, he can talk to you a lot about how to package 
of pricing purpose. I think and many companies are struggling with that. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunity there. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Two uh, two solid names. I will add them to my podcast pipe. Perfect. Uh, Thank you very much for, for joining me and teaching me and the listeners about uh, RevOps. It's been uh, really interesting. And uh, I wish you and your co-founder uh, the best of luck now going forward with your uh, consultancy business. And uh, I hope that you, uh, yeah, as you say, there are a bigger need for RevOps in the future. So I hope that you get a lot of gigs going forward. Thank you, Max. Thank you for the invite. And thank you for having this podcast and informing people. Of and um, I wish you good holiday season. Yeah, likewise. Take care, man. Hi. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I'm hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone. One call closed. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. While we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast and enjoy the rest of the See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects I should phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects I should phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phone. Gotta hit the phone.